Support comes from Austin Water, helping residents reduce water use while protecting Austin's precious resource during the drought conditions with MyATX Water, providing near real-time water use data, tips, and leak alerts. More at austinwater.org. From KUT and KUTX Studios. Welcome to This Song, the podcast that asks artists to talk about songs that changed them because you know how it is. There are songs, like all the songs, and then there are favorite songs, and then, well, there are these songs that stand out like markers in your life because when you heard them, you got opened up to something new, something that helped you reinterpret and restructure your worldview. And those are the songs we want to hear about. I'm your host, Elizabeth McQueen. And in this episode, we'll talk to Amir Mohammed. You may know him as the hip hop artist Odyssey and Mike Harmeyer, who fronts the outlaw country band Mike and the Moon Pies, two artists from two completely different genres who had this experience of hearing music that helped them do exactly that, restructure their view of what they wanted to do with music. And in both cases, it was as much about the time in their life that they heard that music as it was about the music itself. First off, Odyssey. Like I said, he's a hip-hop artist, and he has roots in the D.C. metropolitan area, specifically Prince George's County and we love his music at KUTX. He has a new record out called The Good Fight, and he recently came to Austin with his band Good Company to play the Empire Control Room. They stopped by Studio 1A to do a live session earlier in the day, and afterwards, he sat down with me and told me about a song that had been around him all of his life, but that he finally really heard, like, really heard when he was looking for a different direction in which to take his music. And that song helped him set a new course for himself. So here he is, Odyssey. So, um, yeah, so it sounded like maybe you had a song in mind. Uh, a song and an artist in general. Excellent. Yeah, it would definitely be um, What's Going On by Marvin Gaye and then Marvin Gaye as an artist. I had always grown up listening to that song and I'd heard it played in my home at barbecues and family gatherings, etc. But it wasn't until I was trying to figure out what my niche would be as an artist and what my angle would be that that song really made sense to me and it blew me away when I realized it. So before when you were listening to it at like parties, did it just strike you as more of like a slightly melancholy party song? I mean, it's it's so like, it's such an upbeat song in some ways. Like if you don't really hone in on the lyrics and the, 
the theme of it. It could just be like, yeah, this is a great background song. You have absolutely nailed why that song is so important to me. Oh, really? You nailed it. I started realizing as an independent hip hop artist that a lot of indie music focused more on being intellectual and forgot that music was entertainment. It became too heady and cerebral. In many ways, jazz did the same thing. And it started to alienate a larger demographic of people, which forced it to become underground rap versus mainstream. And I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to follow in the footsteps of my peers and so many before me who were so anti the establishment that they forgot that they still have to entertain. And when I realized it, I listened to that song and I said, if you want to, you can hear this song and then just two-step to it in a barbecue. But if you want, there's a message. One doesn't take away from the other. It's not completely mindless music, sheerly designed for you to just move around. But it's also not sheerly intellectual, where it's supposed to paralyze you and just leave you thinking right. in, in your own you know, mind. It does both. can dance while thinking right or you can just dance or you can just, or you think. Can just like, think yeah and i said that is what i want my music to do so how old were you when you heard it like really heard it i don't even know like were um, you already making music yeah, you yeah, already yeah. Been... i was already making music it was around it was around uh, i came out with an album called rock creek park mm-hmm. and rock creek park was on when a lot of light bulbs went off and a lot of things clicked a lot of light switches clicked on that record It was an instrumental record, but it was at that phase where I started to understand my type of artist demonizes marketing and promotion. We think of it as not being authentic. We think of it as not focusing on the music. However, I realized you don't need to embellish what you are. You just need to put a magnifying glass to what you are, and everything is interesting. Everything is interesting in some way. Those things started to click during that record. And with the lyrics, I said, I no longer want to rap about rapping. I don't want to rap about how rap used to be and what we need to do and what's wrong with rap today. I won't dedicate a single song. No other genre does that. I don't want to rap about rapping anymore. I'm going to just make the change. And I'm not going to make that change so in the forefront of the music that it takes away from enjoying the music. I'm not going to point fingers and preach and chastise. So it all just clicked, and then it was that song that made it click for me. Oh, wow. So it was that song that made you see that you can have... Like a party song that also yeah. has lyrics that yeah. make you think that's... Yeah, I could see my uncle two-stepping while he's flipping hamburgers on a grill and a barbecue. But then I can also listen to that song on a rainy day and think about, my God, this man wrote this song in the 70s and many of the things he's talking about are still relevant today. Are still incredibly relevant today. I mean, that song, like, it sounds like it was written right. for today. Which, that is what I want my music to do. You know, I want to write songs that you can groove to it and it feels good, but you say, oh, he's actually talking about something.
And so is that kind of, do you return to that song every time you start a new song? Not in like a, I want to recreate what's going on, but more just like, it's just let's keep in mind now. that there's like the two, sure. the two halves. Yeah, it's always in the back of my mind that no matter what, it, what we use music for, I feel like we, we dance to rhythm before we thought to rhythm. I feel like from the beginning of time, from the moment we hit a drum, the first time we could clap our hands together. We like, probably made music before we could even speak properly. That I actually, I did an interview with a woman named Karen Skloss earlier, and she said that, yeah, that's the theory is that like we made music before we could speak, and that actually speech comes out of music. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. I think you can feel it. And I think a, a, a lot of uh, my contemporaries lose sight of that. They know? concentrate too much on lyrics as opposed to... Yeah. Music and feeling and yeah. like a pre-verbal sure. understanding of music. Sure. And then in the mainstream is the complete adverse where it's completely dedicated to just moving people. Right. And fantasy and nothing of substance. And I think finding that balance is key for me. When you told me the truth, even if it really hurt, because you knew what I was worse. When you let me borrow money that you didn't really And below me, you can hear the Odyssey song, That's Love, from The Good Fight, a song that does exactly what he sets out to do. It makes you move, and the lyrics actually say something of value. I mean, he explores the concept of love in its many permutations. It's definitely not rapping about rapping, for sure. And... You know, what's going on had been there always for Odyssey to hear, but it took him being ready to make an artistic change to hear not just the lyrics or the melody, but the underlying artistic point of view of the song to hear Marvin Gaye telling him that music can be both for the body and the mind. And that's just really beautiful. I'll post a link to that Studio 1A session along with the video we have up at View House for the song Contradictions Maze, a song which personally blew my mind. It's totally worth a watch. And I'm going to go off on a personal tangent here for a sec and say that I really enjoyed talking to Amir Muhammad, aka Odyssey, but I went away feeling like I had under-interviewed him. Like, I woke up at 2 a.m. thinking, why didn't I ask him more about Marvin Gaye? Why didn't I ask him about the process of writing instrumental music versus lyric writing? I, I think I was actually taken by surprise by how focused his answer was. He knew exactly the song and exactly the reason. And I didn't have to do any poking or prodding. He just was there. Well, maybe next time he comes through Austin, I'll be able to talk to him again and go to the show, which I heard was incredible. Art Levy, who works at KUTX and produces the Song of the Day podcast and the My KUTX feature, um, and also works on this song, said it was one of the best shows he'd seen all year. Next up, Mike Harmeyer from the Austin Outlaw Country Band, Mike and the Moon Pies. They have a new record out called Mockingbird, and they also came into Studio 1A. And afterwards, I sat down with Mike and had a chat about music, like we do. And Mike also talked about music that totally broadened his vision of what he could do, not with hip-hop music, but with country music. 
Again, though, he heard this music at a time in his life when he was ready for a change and open to actually hearing this music and what it implied for his own artistic vision. So here he is. be honest like you know because i listened to just radio country for a long time when i was a kid Mm -hmm. and um and i started playing blues when i started playing guitar and then all of a sudden um somebody showed me ryan adams oh one day when you're looking back you were young and mine you were sad when you're young you get sad when you're young and so Heartbreaker was like the record that like really I was like okay so I can like write songs that aren't about <laughs> uh, trucks and beer <laughs> and still make them country songs <laughs> totally I mean what how old were you um, I think at that time I was probably 17 or something okay. like that and you so were already kinda, writing yeah I was writing country songs? country songs at that time like I was I, I mean I, I'd come in been writing country songs since I was like 13 or 14. Oh, was, um, but was that were, like since you started playing guitar? Yeah, or? absolutely. Because I started, I started taking lessons when I was seven or eight, and then I started to be able to write songs like 13 or 14. Oh, wow. And so I have like books of songs that are all <laughs> terrible. Though. Nobody wants to hear that. Well, I mean, but you were, you know, 13 yeah, or 14. Yeah, I was figuring it out. Yeah. I mean, so were you basically just trying to emulate country radio at that I was trying time? to write songs like what George Strait sang. So basically Dean Dillon songs. I was trying to write Dean Dillon songs. Okay, okay. I got some oceanfront property in Arizona From my front porch you can see the sea I got some oceanfront property in Arizona If you'll buy that I'll I was using cliches, you know, and like, and I still do that sometimes. Well, um, I mean, cliches are cliches yeah, for a reason. Yeah, I, I really like them, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, I mean, at the same time that the Ryan Adams thing, like the Heartbreaker thing hit me, um, a little bit, maybe a year or two after that, Jacksonville came out. Jacksonville City Nights came out. Like Ryan's, like pretty much all all out country record that was just in a studio with just him, where he wa- he walked into a room with a bunch of song titles uh-huh. and recorded this record with um, a bunch of the people that were the Cardinals. He hadn't been playing with the Cardinals before, right? Was that like the first Cardinals record? No, because this, this became this came um, after Cold Roses. Okay, okay. So the Cold Roses record came out, and then mm-hmm. Jacksonville was basically it sounded like B sides from Cold Roses. Oh, okay. Okay. So, so he walked into the studio. He had all these song titles, yeah, not actual songs. Exactly. And then they just like And they just went for it. They just did they just make them up there on kind the Kind of the, yeah, they just yeah. Had, they had like a week in the studio and they just recorded the most, you know, straightforward country thing they could do. Um so there's it's like really underproduced and um anyway, I fell in love with that. I got obsessed with that record because here I am like just getting into Ryan Adams and then he puts out this record that's like the you know, the best country record I've ever heard. <laughs> One more kiss before I go 
Heartbreaker, like when you were writing songs, did you feel like eh. I just think I didn't get it before? Okay, like the same thing at the same time, Wilco happened for me, you know. So, what Wilco record was it for you? Uh, I'm trying to break your heart, that record, uh, right? Uh, Yankee Hotel Fox Rat. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the one that broke it in for me, and then I went and listened to earlier Wilco records, you know, which Nels Klein's in the studio today. I know. Are you going to stick around? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I know. I get to interview him later, and I'm like, oh, it's, it's so insane. Yeah. I sincerely miss those heavy metal bands I used to go see on the landing in the summer. She fell in love with the drummer. She fell in love with the drummer. She fell in love. Shiny, shiny pants and bleached blonde hair. So it all kind of like these three records kind of come at you around the same time, like Absolutely. Heartbreaker, Jacksonville, City Nights, which mm-hmm. I am not familiar with. Oh, you so have I'm gonna to go. Be. Yeah, check I mean, it out. if you like Cold Roses, you'll love this record too because it's like a slimmed down, underproduced version of that record. Right, and and then Yankee Hotel Fox. And Yankee Hotel Fox. So that. it sounded like what it did was it broadened your perspective on what country music could be. Absolutely. Yeah. And it really. At the at the time, I um, was just about to move to Austin from Tomball, like Northwest Houston, because mm-hmm. uh, I was graduating high school, and that's what I was going to do. I was going to come to Austin, and I was going to go to school to make records. So I went to Arlen Studios where they had MediaTek, and um, I mean that was my excuse to let my to my mom to move me to Austin. Right, you know, I'm going to go to school, you know. <laughs> but really, I'm just going to hang in a studio for like you know a year and a half. Um, so at that time. Here I am watching the movie, the documentary about uh, YHF, you know, and uh, and at the same time, I'm going to the studio every day. So, like, it really got me into making records and how I could, you know, produce records and and watching how uh, Tweedy and those guys and Jay Bennett were making that record at the time. I mean, it like all came together at this whirlwind of you know, information. Because it's about more than songs at that point. It's Absolutely. about more than writing songs, which you probably had been doing a lot of for a while. Or playing, like sure. playing is one thing, writing is one thing. And production is a whole other thing. A whole other thing, yeah. right. So that was where it all kind of clicked for me, was production value on records. <laughs> <laughs> so what, of those three records, like what did you find yourself gravitating towards production-wise? Like more stripped down? Yeah, I, w- I wanted to get really organic with everything. Like I'm, you know, I wanted simplification on everything. I did, you know, I I had made like some home studio records before that, you know, but um, I was just doing, you know, what it sounded like on the radio, you know, over compression and everything like that. Trying to get it as close to that radio Absolutely. country thing as possible. And so after that, I abandoned all of that, <laughs> and it was like we could put a microphone thirty feet away over there and record this acoustic guitar. Uh, We're gonna get a great room sound, <laughs> yeah, man. For sure. yeah. <laughs> Which was awesome for me because it totally expanded my horizons about not only, you know, music, but production and, and everything, like the whole package. Cheer up, honey, I hope you can. There is something Yeah. 
I mean, it sounds like all of that music that you heard was right at that right time when you were ready to like leave home and go do your own thing. And you hear all this music and then you come to Austin and that like opens you up to kind yeah. of become what you were going to become. Yeah, I feel like I was pretty much shaped into the person that I am now all in a very short span of time, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was like all those things hit me at around the same time. You know? So right when I moved to Austin, I had just been, in, you know, just gotten into Ryan Adams, just got into Wilco, and I'm starting to make records, and I'm going to the studio, and then I have my own studio, and it all happened in a, you know, four or five year period where... I figured it all out. <laughs> I guess. I mean, I'm or you still... get handed thing. I <laughs> yeah. mean, it's in some ways, it's like you get someone, you know, gives you a Wilco record, and another person gives you a Ryan Adams record, and absolutely, like, and it's just kind of a random happenstance. But it, when I mean, it's right, it all happens at the same time. It's, it's like magic. It's absolutely because the Wilco thing for me happened because my drummer Kyle, who was in every band I've ever had, mm-hmm. um, we went to school, high school together, and all that stuff. He had, he was already living in Austin because he was a year older than me. Mm-hmm. He was already living in Austin when I moved here. And um, his aunt had just given him um, the I'm Trying to Break Your Heart movie, the documentary about Yankee's you know, Fox Foxtrot. And that was, I remember I watched it. He lended it to, he lended it to me. He hadn't even watched it yet. Oh. And so he, he was kind of introduced at the same time, which was cool because yeah. we got to experience it. You know, okay, so we're, now we're going to do this. <laughs> Your eyes were opened at the same <laughs> time. Like, oh, my God, isn't this awesome? So I, I'll never forget, like, watching that at, by myself in my apartment for the first time. And, like, my world changed. Did, had you heard the record yet? Or was I never it the, heard the record. I it, saw the movie first, and then I got the record. Cool. It was pretty awesome because you hear a lot of different versions of stuff, like pre-production versions of stuff the first time. So like, I kind of heard the record in the way that they made the record, in a way. Which puts a nice perspective on a record, because a record really is just like a selection of moments in time. I mean, these recordings become so codified in our sure. mind. Like, that is the song. But it's really nice to know, like... That's not actually the song. That's one version of the song that they chose among so many versions. Absolutely. You know? And yeah. that's why I, I still will go and listen, listen to the music that's on the movie just because I like some of those versions <laughs> <laughs> better than the record. I'm not better than the record, but as much as the record. Yeah, totally. I can only get them in the movie. <laughs> that's then. right. That's yeah, right. Totally. Um, well, man, thank you so much for talking oh, to me. Thanks. I really, this was fun. <laughs> I really appreciate it. And I, and I just love the idea of it all kind of like sometimes it all goes down at one time and it's. It's all just right, you know. And then I'm you so like, glad it did. That's it, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Thanks a lot, Mike. Thank you. Last night we played no one. There's nobody in this town. And you're hearing Mike and the Moon Pies smoke them if you got them from their new one, Mockingbird. And, you know, it all happened at the right time. He was ready to move forward musically and Ryan Adams and Wilco They helped him do that, just like Marvin Gaye and What's Going On helped Odyssey move forward. I'll post a link to the Studio 1A session from Mike and the Moon Pies, along with a link to their song Say It Simply, which was featured on the Song of the Day podcast, because really it's one thing to listen to musicians talk about music, and it's another even better thing to listen to their music. We have come to the end of yet another episode of this song. This song is a production of KUTX 98.9. It was produced and edited by myself, Elizabeth McQueen, David Sanger, and Jack Anderson. Welcome to the This Song team, Jack. The interviews were recorded by Cliff Hargrove and myself. And thanks to Peter Babb for everything he does for KUTX in general 
and this podcast in specific. Our theme song is Mahoot by Austin's own hardproof Afro beat. You can email us at thissong at KUTX.org or tweet us at this song KUTX. You can subscribe to this song along with the other KUTX podcasts, liner notes, Song of the Day and Austin Music Minute on iTunes, or follow us on Stitcher. And look, if you're a podcast person, you should also check out the KUT podcast. I've been digging on The Secret Ingredient, which explores the hidden history of foods. Check out the newest episode on prison food. Hey, and hey, we know you're busy. But if you have a moment, we'd love a rating or a review for any of the podcasts. Right on. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you later. Support comes from Austin Water, helping residents reduce water use while protecting Austin's precious resource during the drought conditions with MyATX Water, providing near real-time water use data, tips, and leak alerts. More at austinwater.org.